This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. Nope, different Bellevue West grad. <laughs> the better of the two athletes. Cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> I have no evidence to the contrary. You know what? You know what I can say? And I'm, I'm going to say this with supreme confidence. I was the better hurdler of, of between me and Strick. Think you were faster than Strick? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Strick didn't do track, so I don't know. I need his numbers. So I, I get track speed, but pretty quantifiable. Uh, at the same time, you can run, but you can also play at a different speed. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I was always faster on a basketball court or chasing down a fly ball than I ever was on a track. Hmm. It was just different. I needed something else to do. Yeah. Running straight was boring. <laughs> That's why you hurdle. Well, here's the thing. I tried hurdles one year after a, like, literally break my arm that winter, go out for hurdles the next spring. Mm. How'd that go? Fine. Only yeah. biffed it once. Yeah, hurdles are great. Hurdles, hurdles are, are fun. fun. It's running it's, and it's jumping. Fantastic. It's something else to do. Exactly. It's amazing. But you don't jump a hurdle. You hurdle a hurdle. It's just an extension of your running form, and people need to get that straight. <laughs> it's true. That's the first. Except for me, I jump it because I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> the high hurdles you just run underneath, right? Yeah, pretty much. I could have. It would have been fine. Yeah. No. It, it. No. It was fun. It was great, and I love hurdles. But I get what you're saying. There's a different type of game speed uh, than track speed because there are people. I mean, many people know this. There are people who are football fast who aren't, you know, track fast. Like on a football field, you're like, that mm-hmm. dude is zooming. You get him on a track, you're like, oh, that's that's actually not that fast. But it's it's a weird thing that people have because you've got people on a basketball court who are absolutely disgustingly fast. Like De'Aaron Fox on a basketball mm-hmm. court, one of the fastest people in the NBA, if not the fastest person in the NBA. John Wall going baseline to baseline in like four seconds. Yeah. I don't know how he would do on a track. But it's cra- it's just crazy how much faster some people are doing certain sports. Uh, Billy Hamilton chasing a fly ball in center field. Mm-hmm. The dude is zooming. So, you know, we'll but see. But the freeze might beat him in a race. Might. Might. He probably would, actually. Oh, I would take yeah. the freeze over Billy Hamilton in a race. If it's home to first or first to third, I'm taking Billy Hamilton. The entire outfield just the outfield the slow curve yeah. not the running around the bases because no. that's also a tricky thing i've never mm-hmm. done it but i can imagine how hard it is it's not that bad as long as you plant that uh outside foot on the inside corner of the base you're fine is that where it needs to go i don't know I don't yeah know. so when you're running you put on the on the inside of the base you put your right foot uh-huh so you're, you're staring at first base yeah right you have a square uh-huh okay i know i know i know okay. yeah you put your right foot on the close inside corner so you can turn as sharply as you can. So the part the part that's closest to the pitcher's mouth. Yes. Okay. That's where you step. See, that's see, I I would mess that up. And you you have to bow out a little bit mm-hmm. to round and hit so, it. Because if okay. you're gonna run in a straight line, you're gonna run essentially a post route when you hit the base. Yeah. You have to take, I don't know, probably 10, 15 feet before you take a couple steps. Yeah. Into foul territory. Yeah. To give yourself enough of a turn to make that line to second base as straight as you. Yeah. Can. See, I'd mess up. I I'm just gonna break down. It just hard cut. That's what I'm gonna do. 
There are also no guiding lines that you have to stay in, like track. Yeah. Y- y- there's a little interpretation you can do. You have to stay within the base path. That's what I always hear. I never know what well, that because there's some people that like kind of stray, and I'm like, is that not in the base path? But they're like, ah, it's still in the base path. I was like, what is the base path? How big is the base path? <laughs> as wide or as narrow as the umpire deems it to be, I think given I the context been, of the play. I think I would have been pretty good at baseball. You could have Terrence Gore. I'm half Puerto Rican. I would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still disappointed you didn't go blonde. I thought about it. I like I said, if they would have if they would have won against Mexico and gotten to the semis, I would have done it. Not even a second thought. I would have done it. My wife would have hated it, but I would have done it. <laughs> Fair enough. Welcome to On the Block, officially. I'm Austin. He's Rico. Uh, Strick, I believe, still planning to join the show at some point. If not, Rico's going to have to play the shootout. I'll win. You're, what, 1-0? 2-0? Uh, I'm 1-1. One 1-1. And one. One and one. On my own. I am undefeated. I think I'm 4-0 against Strick Aha, when it comes it to tiebreakers. Okay. So. There you go. Pretty, uh, pretty good what I do. <sighs> No big deal. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We'll see where we get to with that. Plenty to get to our number one Nebraska basketball transfer targets. A lot of interesting names out there. What it mean for the roster construction. Uh, And then next segment, we're going to get into this question I saw on Twitter. Uh, Not the one that that you posted. I I have one other thought on that before we really get going. (laughs) Um, Someone posted on Twitter since 1998, 1999. Would you rather be Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, or UConn? So we're going to get into that. Give you some numbers and some context behind that. Three o'clock hour, Lamar Jackson requested a trade. Who's that situation on? Who's to blame? Mm-hmm. Why is no one chomping at the bit to get Lamar Jackson? We'll get into that, and we'll talk with Steve Sipple at 3.30. Uh, any thoughts on the show? You can chime in here, 402-464-5685. That's the Sarter Heyman hotline, or text line, and the Honda of Lincoln hotline as well. Okay, back to what we were talking about there in what well, I think we can still call the crossover even though I was filling in for Nick. It's the crossover. It's the crossover. Crisscross, applesauce, over. Yes. Uh, Mississippi Mud Dog said, Callahan didn't really have that much success. 9-5, and five, a division title, doesn't move the needle. Also had two losing seasons in four years after not having a losing season for like 41 straight seasons. Correct. Callahan didn't have that much success, but it wasn't a complete failure. Bill Callahan brought some of the lowest lows Nebraska football had seen. I mean, up until that point. Up until that point is the the operative phrase there. Brought in his fair share of five star talent, mm-hmm. like actual legit five star rated talent. Mm-hmm. Won a division title. Um, that Alamo Bowl was fun. Again, not an overall wildly successful tenure. The worst we had seen in a long time up to that point. But right now, he's not the worst coach in Nebraska football history. He's not. He's top three. That's my argument. <laughs> eh, eh. He's top three. He's not the worst, though. Well, and he's not the worst, but he's not top three. He might not be top three worst. There were some there were some clunkers. We'll have to go back. We'll have to go back. I got it pulled up right here. In recent history, I guess he'd oh. be top three. Well, I mean, since 2000, he's <laughs> top three worst. Exactly. Um. So, anyways, I just want to get that out there. I'm not defending Bill Callahan. I'm just saying he's not as bad as I still think people think he was. I think he set up success for the next coach. For the first couple of years of the next coach, I think he set him up for um, some of the success that he ended up having. I think that's fair to say. He did build upon that afterwards, but in those you know three, four years directly after Callahan, I think those can kind of be attributed back to Callahan. 
again, that's not you know it's it's not his coaching tenure, so you can't really count that towards the, towards the success or lack of success that he had. But I think that he did assist in the success of the guy who followed after him. Callahan is a lower middle tier coach in Nebraska football history, not a bottom tier coach. Okay, that's where I'm planting my flag. Okay, I think the worst part about Callahan is just the fact that he got rid of a lot of things. I think it didn't it what didn't have to do with the on field uh, success or lack of success. It was the off the field practice. Um, taking banners down and pictures down and all that stuff. I think that, yeah, that, that is what makes him such a disliked figure in Nebraska football circles. The on-the-field yeah. success, lack of success, definitely contributed to that as well. But I think for the most part, when you think of Callahan, a lot of people go to what he did off the field. It's not like he got in trouble off the field, no. but just the removal of history. I guess you you could say. That's another conversation we need to have at some point. Where is the dividing line between making sure your history is acknowledged and remembered without being actually beholden to it and forcing things to be the way they used to be? Times change. They do. So there's a balance there between acknowledging, remembering, celebrating the past and doing what worked, but also adapting and modernizing. It's one thing to you know light a match, drop at North Stadium, and walk away. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what Bill Callahan did. I think that came 15 years later. Yeah. Unfortunately. I got, I, I got nothing else for you, man. It's just, it, it, you, when you think of Callahan, it's that for the longest time it was he who shall not be named. You couldn't even say the name around these parts um, without people just getting up in arms and, and, mm-hmm. and upset. Uh, but now when you look back at it, it's not the worst that we've ever seen. It was a very low point. Uh, for Nebraska football up until then, um, but it's not—it's not completely terrible because you—you again, you think about what happened, how he set up success for the for for Bo Pelini for mm-hmm. the next coach, um, and you kind of you thank him for that, but you don't thank him for what he did coaching. All right, Rico just made the nuclear take go off in my brain. You are saying. Bill Callahan was a better coach than Tom Osborne because he made it easier for the no, next guy to succeed. Don't you Quote do that. Rico. Don't you do that. Don't. No. No. How I dare it. you? That's what Rico said. How dare you? He set the he set the next guy up for success. Tom Osborne set the next guy up for success. He had no, picked, no, he had no. The next you guy. said Tom Osborne made it too hard for the next guy to have. He success. He set him up for success. It's just that the success that he had wasn't to the same level of success. I still think you just said Bill Callahan I didn't was a better say, coach than Tom Osborne. Don't you put those words in my mouth. <laughs> they came out of your mouth. I, I didn't like, put them in. I like being liked by the people. I'm not Jake Sorensen. I can't have everybody mad at me on Twitter. Okay, Jake was right, though. Whatever. Jake we're not was doing, right. We're not doing this. Jake was right. We're not doing this. Rico, We're not Jake doing this. Right. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Okay, let's do this instead. <laughs> Nebraska <laughs> basketball has some transfer targets out there. You A need ton. to uh, restock the cupboard. Um, a couple of them already off the board. Paxson Wojcik and uh, John Tanji. Both off the board. Both play guard position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paxson Wojcik would have been the transfer from Brown University. Ends up going to North Carolina, where he's going to be Andrew Playtech 2.0. Congratulations on mediocrity, young man. Could have come to Lincoln <laughs> and been a part of something special. Um, just kidding. Paxton Wojcik is a darn good player. I uh, wish him, I can't say the best, but I good wish luck. him success. Good luck. That's what I'll say. Good luck. You're going to need it. 
Uh, John Tanji, that's one that it sounded like there was some mutual interest mm-hmm. between he and Nebraska. Ends up going to Missouri. A pretty good season for Missouri. I mean, that's you have success, and, and, and transfers slash recruits will follow. Like, it's impressive what they're doing in the SEC, and we've, we've had this discussion about SEC and Big Ten basketball. The SEC has guys still playing in the NBA at high levels, whereas the Big Ten will put some people in the NBA, but in terms of star power uh, after college, it doesn't really follow. It really doesn't. The Missouri get of Tanji fascinates me depending on what Kobe Brown does. Kobe Brown had a fantastic year. All-SEC first team, uh, 6'7 wing that did some really fun stuff in that first-round game against Utah State. Just completely took over in mm-hmm. the second half. Made that close game swing Missouri's way over like a four- or five-minute stretch. Kobe Brown's really good. Pair John Tanji with that, that's fun. Or if Kobe Brown leaves. Right now, projected second round. Uh, had a good year last year, still kind of growing into his game. Mm-hmm. If he leaves, does John Tanji play more of a feature role at Missouri? I'd be curious to see. Hmm. That would be, I think Tanji and Brown would benefit from Brown returning um, because, as you said, he had a really good season. But if you're projected second round, if you truly believe, you want to you bet on yourself, if you think you can build upon that with another guy who is as electric as John Tanji um, was in high school and was at Colorado State, um, you can build upon that and play yourself into maybe not a lottery position, but at least a late first round spot because that's, I mean, that's exactly what John Tanji is trying to do. That's what every transfer, when they're going into their senior year or, or what have you, and they end up transferring to a bigger school, they're looking to play themselves into a better draftable position. And John Tanji has all of the uh, explosiveness and, and electricity to help a team like Missouri, who started off the season, what, like 16 and 0 or something like that? Really good. Uh, get to the next round I'm not going to say that next level like a champion but the next round at least in the NCAA tournament and they finished you know top third of the SEC big step in the right direction Dennis Gates it was a down year for the SEC but still not really it was in terms of it was just because Kentucky didn't win the league doesn't mean yeah the parody argument the parody argument where you don't have the teams that usually lead the league Uh, you had you know I guess Alabama who who got up to number one and all that stuff you know that was helpful but you know Texas A&M kind of coming I'm gonna say coming kind of coming out of nowhere and making the SEC championship game you had a a, I don't know just a very bad year for Kentucky Uh, I don't know it just seemed off for the SEC this year very bad year for Kentucky. They end up 12-6 and six in conference play. Very bad. That was terrible for them. It started off terribly. They picked it up. Again, not ultimately a successful season for them losing uh, to Providence. or They beat Providence, but then losing to Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Not an ultimately successful year for them, but given how we were talking about Kentucky to start in December and January, Cal made something of that team. Uh, Missouri goes 11 and 7, 25 and 10 overall. Hey, guess who else finished 11 and 7 in the SEC? Tennessee did. Mm. Tennessee was electric. Uh, Tennessee was the opposite of electric, but they were effective. <laughs> I'll give them credit for that. So, anyways, that's where John Tanji goes. A couple targets for Nebraska that are still out there. Um, not sure how realistic these are, but they've at least heard from Nebraska. The first one is the one that I think is more important to target, and that's Caden Shedrick. Uh, Played at Virginia, uh, played in 30 games, but saw his minutes uh, drop by the end of the season. Started 15 of them. 
uh, averaged 17 and a half minutes a game, shot 67% on twos, 80% of the free throw line for a 6'11 post guy. But what, what fascinates me about Caden Chedrick isn't so much the offense, mm-hmm. it's the defense fantastic rim protector, averaged two blocks a game last season, averaged a block and a half, and uh, 0.8 steals per game this season. That's a big guy that can do the little things. That's active hands for a big guy. It's active hands. It's good positioning. He learned under... Um, you know, Tony Bennett at Virginia, not that Nebraska played the the pack line like Virginia has, (laughs) but to be completely honest, Rico, if you could give me a choice between getting Caden Chedrick or Isaac Trout to Lincoln, give me Caden Chedrick. I mean, that would help in terms of, you know, Nebraska's kind of lacking in, in big man depth and it would really add to, you know, possibly having another defensive stalwart, uh, at that position. But I think in terms of, you know, we've talked about it before. You've talked about it with Strick. I've heard you talk about it where in the Big Ten in the regular season, big man play will win you those games. And you're going to need your big men not only to be defensive stalwarts, but to be able to score the ball. Right now, you've got Wilhelm who, you know, we've talked about it many a time. I don't need to go into that again. He has the potential, but it's it's lacking right now in consistency. Blaze Keita, who... Number one Juco player, you would think that there's some type of offense there, couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And then if you add Caden Shedrick, I mean, it's a guy who I don't know what his potential is, but he's averaging 6.2 points a game. You're going to need more than that. No, you're not. You're going to need more than that. No, you're not. Caden you don't think Sh- so? No, absolutely not. Because, because my whole argument is that the big man Nebraska gets has to be low maintenance. If he gets six points a game off of lobs mm-hmm. or off of just putbacks, perfect. You can't play through the post. Just feed him post ups. Yeah, he shouldn't have. Shouldn't need a deep bag. You need the body in there to protect the rim and to rebound. You have oh, that in Blaze Keita right now. What Blaze I'm saying Kata. is, Caden Chedrick is better than Blaze Keita, and I'm much happier with Blaze Keita as the backup behind Caden Chedrick. Mm, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't really have an argument with that. I don't know. I don't know Caden Chedrick's game that well, but I'm just to me. If you're just looking for 6.2 points and was it 2. Point, what is it? 3.8 rebounds and and 1.4 blocks. The blocks are better than what Nebraska has, but I think Blaze Kata can get you 6 and 6 and 4 uh on any given night. I I think Blaze Kata can give you that. The most impactful player in the ACC by the end of the season was Derek Lively, who averaged 5 points and 5 rebounds per game. That's not a lot, but what he did defensively mm-hmm. was a game changer. He averaged two and a half blocks and half a steal per game as a defensive engine. Super low maintenance player, didn't demand the ball on post-ups, moved the ball mm-hmm. on offense, made his living on put-back dunks and on swatting guys out of the vicinity. That's the type of big man you need at Nebraska. And I'm not saying you need a big man to, to completely run your offense through, but I am saying that you're going to need a little bit more in terms of offensive production because you have a guy, again, in Blaze, who can offer you that defense and his defensive uh, uh IQ is otherworldly. You've seen how he gets in the way and draws charges and his big body. He's drawn, he's done a great job at avoiding fouls and altering shots. I think he can do that for you. To me, if you're going again between Shedrick and Trout, I think you need to score. And I think Trout can give that for you. That's why the other name is Joe Girard that we have to uh, get to in just a second. We do have to uh, step aside here for our first break of the show. You need scoring from guards, not your big man. That, that's essentially my point. Look like Strix here in the waiting room. Uh, we will bring in the Husker Hall of Famer, the nine-year NBA veteran on the other side. Rico, appreciate you sitting in. I still great. can't believe you think Bill Callahan's better than Tom Moss. 